Culture Culture and Ed Wright the Lads. Thanks very much for tuning in to episode 6 of Chapter Master's Memoirs. In this episode we're going to talk a lot about AOS because I was recently at an AOS tournament at the weekend. Uh, apologies for the late episode but as I previously stated it wasn't my birthday and the tournament was the day after so it was a pretty jam-packed weekend. Um, but this will be out and then after this the episodes will continue as they previously were so every saturday morning uh, but yeah so in this episode we will be talking about my hobby progress first of all as is the norm gotta follow that status quo lads then i'm going to talk in depth about my three games at the aos tournament how i got on there did i enjoy it uh, kind of changes i can make to the list uh, because i'm going to another it's going to be a weekender in august of aos and I'm going to be kind of discussing whether or not I want to take the same faction or go with a completely different faction, kind of what, what, what are the possibilities there. Uh, as well as that, the, we're going to follow the status quo again and go in depth into the previews released by GW as well as some potential leaks and yeah, yeah, uh, take it from there. So hope you guys enjoy. Cheers. So yes, in terms of first up hobby progress, this, I'd say within the past week and a half, I did manage to, as I was talking about, finish 2,000 points of Stormcast, uh, and as I did state, it did not win me any painting competitions, <laughs> but I got 2,000 points fully painted up. Uh, the list was Indrasta, the Celestial, whatever the fuck she is, her. Uh, a Lord Castellant with Griffhound and a Knight Vexor with Banner of Apotheosis. Then we had three Grand Hammer Annihilators, three Shield Annihilators, five Protectors, five Retributors, five Secretors, three Castigators, and six Castigators. I'm pretty sure that's everything. Uh, I got that all painted and based um, to a basic tabletop standard um, it was just enough to kind of get me across the line to fully painted but I'm happy enough with it. The list overall per performed actually quite well uh, but I'll go into that at a later stage as well as that I managed to get some kind of reinforcements for my Black Templars. I know I did say that they were going to be soul drinkers so I, I got them all kind of spread purple and everything but it turns out uh, I I kind of bit off more than I can chew there, uh, so I ended up stripping all the purple uh, paint from the Black Templars miniatures and kind of went back to the start with them because I picked up some reinforcements for them um, that were kind of, some of the reinforcements were already painted to a really good standard using the, the traditional scheme, so I wanted to tie in the entire army together. Uh, I've I've since then spread it all with a, a nice base layer of Chaos Black from GW, which is looking really, really nice. It's looking really nice and matte, whereas the purple I'd spread them was, there was a shine to it. Um, so it said matte, but clearly it it was definitely, definitely blouse. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting them painted up um, for the reinforcements I picked up. A Gladiator Lancer, Gladiator... Uh, I think it's a Reaper. Uh, I have uh, 20 Crusaders. I have another uh, Emperor's Champion. Uh, another Marshal. 
uh, pretty much all the characters. I got a Tech Marine, Apothecary, um, yeah, loads, absolutely loads of stuff. It all looks fantastic. I can't wait to get it all finished painted. Um, if you look at my Instagram, Herless underscore painting, there are some images of those that I've put up already, and they look really, really nice, really fresh. Uh, can't wait to continue that scheme. Um, so yeah, next up, I am just gonna plow straight into my games. And I'll start off with the first game, which was against a Seraphon army with the Lord Celestant. Uh, no, no, it wasn't the Lord Celestant. Celestant Prime. Jesus, you can tell the the time I took them to the tournament there was the very first time I ever used Stormcast. So, uh, yeah, I have no fucking idea what their names are. The Celestant Prime, the guy with all the kind of floaty kind of clouds around him and with Galmaraz. So the Seraphon army was the one that is minus one damage across the board and with the Celestin Prime and he had the oh Jesus what are these called? The you can tell I'm not a seasoned AOS player, the Stegosaurus, the Ankylosaur, uh, <laughs> he had a temple with a slan priest in it, um some Saurus warriors that he summoned in. Uh, obviously he had two blobs of salamanders which were horrendous for mortal wound output, but yeah, all in all, that was a really good game. The guy, Ben, Ben Cochran, he, he, his army looked absolutely gorgeous. Seriously, it was painted to such a nice standard um, compared to my pile of shite. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it started off all right, but quickly uh, my dice rolls decided to go downhill and we both had to just laugh at it, uh, myself included. And he, he didn't kind of try and say sorry for anything. He just had to laugh along with me. Uh, yeah, um, it, it was actually a very good game. It turned out pretty close in the end. I think it ended up being like 20, 27, 18 or some, something along those lines. So I wasn't absolutely annihilated. But yeah, um, I, the, the best part of that entire game for me was whenever kind of he dropped his uh, Celestin Prime in. And after a couple of combats... Uh, my Castellant char charged in and the last wound was taken off as Celestin Prime from my Griffhound attached to the Lord, the, the Lord Castellant. So yeah, the Griffhound taking down the Celestin Prime was absolutely fantastic. But the minus one damage uh, across the board that that army can pull out uh, just absolutely neutered my Annihilators pretty much. Um, it's that they're my my hammers to kind of absolutely break open the hardest units and the fact that the the best unit in my army was putting out just a flat two damage instead of a flat three was just it was insane on top of that the amount of spells he was able to get off and he was able to block my one spell like that i could get off per turn as well so i mean all in all it was it was a really good game for my first ever tournament game of aos a really good opponent uh, I did lose, but I kind of learnt a lot, and I took that forward. Um, next up was against the Maggotkin of Nurgle, which again uh, was such a gorgeous army. It was, I'm not even going to attempt the names of these, but um, yeah, it, it was such a gorgeous army. Loads of monsters in there, um, and it, it was really hurry. I, I didn't expect the Maggotkin to be that tanky, but whenever you can kind of put spells out to make a squad of 20 plague bearers have three wounds each that's like 60 wounds you have to chew through and then whenever you have a uh, sloppity bile piper 
and the the guy I played, he had one in his starting army and he summoned in another. So two on the table with two blobs of 20 plague bearers. Whenever I charged into one of the plague bearer squads, uh, he kind of just made sure that no matter what I did, I couldn't pile in. So basically everything bar my grand hammer annihilators has only got like a one one yeah one inch reach the the protectors have a three inch reach as well but i charged a, my squad of five retributors into one of his blobs of plague bearers uh killed like i think two or three of them and then he let he just kind of let me know politely that i couldn't pile in so they were now locked there for i think three turns uh he didn't attack me and I couldn't pile in or attack him because I had no reach and I couldn't move. So the tricks they can do, the shenanigans, is fucking nasty. But yeah, all in all, uh, a really good game. I made a couple of mistakes in deployment that we both talked about afterwards. Um, but for my second game using the Stormcast, um, I got, got a, a couple of kind of tips at the end and he, he told me that I didn't do too bad which I'm happy enough about because this guy kind of knows his stuff with AOS uh, Pete Pratt really good player and he also hosts a lot of the tournaments in the area so yeah he's such a good guy I was uh, really happy to get a game against him and it went well again I lost but again it was around the same kind of margin as the first game so it was like 20 28 the 18 or 28 17 something like that so not a massive loss i did get points on the board which was really nice um and finally my third and last game was against another maggotkin uh, army i was ready to pull my hair out at this stage because i was just imagining the amount of fucking non-piling shenanigans i was going to get landed with again but no it was a it was a really good game the this maggotkin army i was playing had uh the, the guy on the slug, uh, I forget his name, but the, the gardener of Nurgle, and he had a ton of beasts of Nurgle with him, uh, as well as that, he, he didn't have any plague bearers, which was strange, but he had kind of loaded up on a ton of Blight Kings, and I found out just at that game that uh, the Blight Kings were four wounds to a normal guy and five wounds on the, the unit champion, which is fucking madness, I thought uh, Stormcast were good, <laughs> but... Yeah, he had a couple of monsters in there. So Blight King's monsters, uh, the Gardener of Nurgle, and a t like I mean maybe about five or six uh, beasts of Nurgle, which was I, d I didn't expect them to be as fast as they were, but they can run and charge, and they can move. They move like eight inches or something like that. So it's really really good. Uh, but yeah, a really good game. He he ended up he had a character. I, I don't know his name but he has like tentacles or something and he, he can make he can make a squad outflank with him uh, the bargeman or something like that and I left just a, a small kind of open space over to my right flank and he was able to come in, he won priority so he came in first um, and he did do a, a bit of damage but because on that flank I had Indra Indrasta I was able to bring guys back, I dropped in uh, Annihilators and uh, my Knight Vexler on that side, and was able to clear the Blight King squad and his character with Indrasta and all the Annihilators, and that got me broken ranks, so it was really, really good. Um, and then uh, I dropped my Grand Hammer Annihilators in his backfield, and they charged into his general, and I was able to take his general out. That, uh, that basically was because 
the mortal wounds I put out whenever I dropped in. Then I rolled an 11 inch charge, so I think I put like seven mortal wounds on the general, and then the, all the three damage hammers going into him just absolutely fucking obliterated him. So I was I was super psyched with that. I knew they were going to die next turn, but uh, I, I had to go for the, the big charge. So I was really, really happy with that. It was such a good moment. He wasn't expecting it, and neither was I, so it was, it was super cool. We could just imagine what was happening. Um, yeah, and needless to say, they did fucking die next turn, but they, they had a massive target on their backs after that. So who can blame them? Uh, all in all, it came down to the last roll of the dice, literally, because if one dice had have swung in his favour for a, a five-up disgustingly resilient roll, it would have saved his last battle line unit, which was the beast, his very last beast of Nurgle. Uh, and if he had have kept that beast of Nurgle alive... It would have been a draw because his grand strategy was uh, hold the line and so was mine. So I was able to literally just with a squad of shield annihilators pip the last wound off the last beast of Nurgle which stopped him getting his points for hold more and his points for grand strategy. So super super game. I ended up going uh, one and two. So one win, two losses but for my first tournament with AOS and for my very first uh, three games with Stormcast I was absolutely over the moon really enjoyed it the The quality of the armies there were fucking to be honest far better than the quality of armies I've seen for 40k um, it was it's really kind of motivated me to get my painting up so for the the event that I'm attending in August I'm really going to get some painting in either on my Ijanet Deepkin or my Cruel Boys probably my Cruel Boys because I know not a lot of people take them so I want to go kind of left field. I want to have a fun army that can put some hurt in, but not anything that's kind of egregious to, to play against. So yeah, quick rundown of my games. Really enjoyed it. Rise of the Dragons after exploding dice and banger. I would uh, kind of encourage anyone who can make it to go to their events. The Guy, Pete and uh, Steve, they're, they're fantastic hosts. So yeah, uh, I'm going to take a wee break now, lads. And I'm going to come back with kind of some news around GW previews and releases. Cheers, lads. Bye. Yeah, uh, so just in regards to what I said previously, lads, uh, in this episode, there actually won't be any kind of previews uh, or leaks information, uh, pretty much except for the likes of Malgan Ra and that kind of stuff. Uh, because he's a pretty interesting character for the Eldari. Uh, mainly after this, we're going to focus on the kind of list potential changes with AOS regarding my IDK, Lumineth, and Cruel Boys, especially for the, the big weekend they're coming up in August. Yeah, so cheers, lads. And welcome back, lads. Uh, now I'm just going to kind of go into potential list breakdowns for the event that's coming up in August for AOS for myself. I'm going to start off with, well I'm just going to get it out of the way quickly, the Stormcast. I'm pretty much 100% not taking the Stormcast, mainly because I already took them to an event and what I've got is pretty basic. There aren't any long strikes, no fulminators, no dragons, nothing like that. So in terms of a list, it's reliable, but it's pretty boring, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, it does its job, it can it can get points, it can be resilient enough, but there's no kind of uh, 
fucking specific hard-hitting units that will go in and do a big kind of counter-punch or anything. No hero phase moves, nothing like that. So they're ruled out. Um, next, I'm going to go into potential IDK. So with the Leviathan I've got now, that brings it up to over 2,000 points so I can get a nice 2k list together. Um, mainly consisting of an Achelian King, a Tidecaster, a Soul Scryer, Soul Render, two squads of Thralls, one squad of Reavers, both 10-man. I've got nine more Sargard, so the, the Electric Eels. Uh, I'll probably run them as a squad of six and a squad of three. Use the kind of squad of three as a potential screen, just to make sure that no one can target anything else or else use one of the squads of Thralls, run them up and use them as a screen also. Um, as well as that, I've got two sharks. They'll be really nice. I'm going to sit them in with the Leviathan, who will be given the Reavers and the sharks plus one to hit. So they'll be hitting on twos, which will be super sweet. Especially with the new book drops and like kind of all the the buffs come out for the Reavers and that, and especially the sharks as well. They'll be they'll be really nice. More shots hitting on twos, potentially rerolling ones. That'll be that'll be really nice. Um, the Leviathan itself will be kind of really handy as well, especially with that 2-up save starting off with. It's a good tank, and um, for the unit I definitely need a monster in there, so the, the, the Leviathan is absolutely brilliant. Um, I don't really see myself making a big change to that list, because that's kind of everything I've got for the Idanet Deepkin. I mean, realistically the only thing I could change would be uh, taking out a squad of eels and maybe putting in another shark something like that or maybe kind of just uh consolidating into kind of a massive blob of like 30 reavers i've seen a lot of lists coming out especially in kind of oz coming out with uh, those 30 reavers because hitting on twos re-rolling re ones um will be fantastic with the ap and the three shots each on those bad boys but yeah that would be kind of the main thing i could potentially change but i think the list has legs uh going forward or should I say has tails? Yeah, I'll see myself out. Uh, next up is... What is it? It's Cruel Boys. So my list currently is Gobsprack, who's a boss. Well, he's a boss for me. Uh, I've got a killer boss on Great Nashtooth with the... Was it Faston? So the hero phase move. I've got a killer boss on Foot. I've got a Swamp Collar Shaman and... What else? I've got Swamp Boss Scumdrek. So a couple of hard, big, heavy hitters in there. Um, Swamp Boss Scumdrek's really good. I think I'm going to really kind of tech into Gobsprack with his denies and, and that kind of stuff. And then the Killer Boss on foot and the Shaman are going to walk up the field. I've got a squad of 20 Gut Rippers and two squads of 10 Gut Rippers. So the, the foot heroes are going to kind of slog up the field behind that screen of Gut Rippers. Um, giving them all kind of uh, just one will run on the uh, broken morale and either giving them the extra save or giving them the extra output from the shaman uh, and I have a squad of three bolt boys I mean just because they came with the box it, it's it's either those or the hobgrots so I think the bolt boys have a bit more output I can still keep them back on objectives but when they're there, they're not completely useless with that 24-inch range. So that, that'll be that'll be cool. And I have, of course, Dobby, the house elf. And it's going to be going up with the Gut Rippers and Swamp Boss Scumdrek. And together, they're going to be like a massive kind of combat Death Star. 
uh, pretty much being able to take on anything that comes their way. Maybe bar the likes of uh, dragons with the more Owen output and the and the big cabbages with the hero phase move and charge that kind of thing. But yeah, I really like the list. I'm toying with the idea of taking out a few heroes and the boat boys and putting in a killer boss on Corpse Ripper Vulture just because I fucking love the models. I know they're not extremely competitive, but I'm I'm kinda I really want a really kinda varied looking list so it looks amazing on the table. <laughs> a lot of monsters and a lot of infantry, so a lot of height variation. I think that would look really, really cool and potentially given that uh killer boss on Vulture, the fast one so he'll move 14 inches and then move 14 inches and charge he'll be doing a lot of work uh, especially say if i give him like finest hour so a three up save um 14 wins he, he'll he'll be able to tank a lot of stuff um but yeah i mean other than that to do that i need to take out the boat boys which would kind of make hamstring me a wee bit so i'd have to keep one of the gut rippers back um, or split up the 20 man blob into two tens and keep 10 back and send uh, three tens up the field with the foot heroes. I mean, I'm toying with the idea, I'm not 100% not sold on it yet because at the minute, the list I've got with all those heroes, it's it's really techy. It's got some distraction units with the fast on Nash Tooth, who isn't necessarily that easy to take down with like 10 wounds, three up, uh, save, that kind of thing. Um, I think it can do the business, especially with the monsters. Uh, Gobsprack is a bit of a distraction as well, and whenever that Swamp Boss Scumdrag hits, he hits fucking hard. So whenever he goes in with the Gut Rippers, they're going to be pumping out fucking tens of mortal wins on the charge. It'll be glorious. Yeah, um, other than that, I've got my Lumineth. I'm kind of using the Lumineth. I'm going to get them painted up. Uh, I don't have time myself, but I'm going to get them painted up, hopefully by, uh, by someone on the island of Ireland and hopefully they'll be playable by the end of the year. I've started to paint them but the kind of detail on them and the the intricacy of how like the such standard that I started them on there's no chance I'm getting the army painted to that standard and I don't want to like kind of half-ass the rest of the army because then the good units will definitely stand out and will make it less cohesive but yeah mainly I'm going to kind of tip away at the Lumineth, a few units that I don't send off to get painted, I'm going to uh, get my Krill Boys painted up, and the Ironet Deepkin are pretty much painted, but uh, just a few things there, so I'll probably end up taking the Krill Boys, because I just enjoy the look of the army more, and the feel of it more, but we'll see whenever the, the new Ironet Deepkin book comes out, <laughs> but yeah. That is pretty much everything, lads. Uh, next up, I'm just going to go into a wee lore segment, and that'll be us for the episode. So, cheers, take it handy, boys. Yeah, so quickly right now, I'm just going to, and I mean, when I say quickly, I mean very quickly, maybe one or two minutes, just to go into a bit of lore on the background of the Death Corps of Krieg. Um, I've just finished their new uh, novel that was released a few weeks ago and it, it really was actually fantastic. I didn't know what to expect. I did like Kadia Stance and the kind of the Kadia novels with Minkalesque. Really enjoyed them so I thought this, this other Astra Militarum kind of regiment would be really interesting and I definitely was not disappointed. If you know anything about the Krieg, this won't be massive spoilers. You'll already know that from the planet of Krieg there was kind of their first colonel was uh, a guy called Colonel Yurton 
and during the Krieg Civil War he was the, the leader on the Loyalist side. Um, he ended up having to go to really kind of desperate measures to wipe out the traitors and he pretty much had to deploy I don't know if it was virus bombs or some type of kind of exterminatus weapon, um, but he had to deploy them from his kind of his defensive hive against the enemy-controlled uh, main hive, um, and pretty much his own kind of generals wanted him to to stop this kind of madness that they they thought was taking over him because they didn't want to turn their planet into basically a, a dead planet, a corpse of a world, but he. His loyal followers kind of intercepted these generals who were trying to, to kind of start a, a coup within the, the hierarchy and they stopped them pretty much by killing them, that's not a lie. Uh, and he decided to, yeah, just go ahead with the help of a tech priest called Creel or Greel or something like that, uh, launch the, the warheads at, at the, the opposing hive. and. The opposing hive, whenever they seen a warhead come up, they were kind of thinking, oh Jesus, it's only one missile, we'll be fine, we're underground, that kind of stuff. But one warhead came up, and then three, and then six, and then nine, so it was just an overwhelming number. And even the ones that were shot down in the air above the traitor hive, they kind of emitted so much radiation, and like such a kind of viral kind of uh, radiation, that it's, it seeped down into the hive, and was caught on the wind and swept through the entire planet and that absolutely annihilated the entire ecosystem. Now they had previously thought that within a few years the ecosystem would be back to normal but uh, it quickly transpires that maybe 10 years passes and things are actually still getting worse and that's when you kind of get to know that everyone has to live underground and that's that's pretty much where we are. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. Cheers guys. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed that lads. Um, and next next week's episode we'll be back on track on time. Uh, sorry for the delay, but kind of things kind of transpired. There was my birthday that was determined and I kind of felt very unwell during the week as well. So uh, we'll be back on track next time. And catch you later lads. Bye!